Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. China urges both sides in Sudan's armed conflict to cease fire as soon as possible and to avoid further escalation. After fighting broke out in Sudan over the weekend, China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs called on all parties to strengthen dialogue and jointly advance the political transition process. After weeks of rising tension, armed clashes erupted between the Sudanese armed forces and a paramilitary group called the Rapid Support Forces, or RSF. Both sides accused the other of starting the conflict and made conflicting claims about uh, who controlled key positions. The United Nations, the Arab League and China, as well as other countries, have also called for an immediate ceasefire. So what have led to the fierce clashes? Will the turmoil spill across the border and destabilize the fragile, fragile region? And what can the international community do to support efforts to politically resolve the crisis? I'm pleased to be joined from Juba, South Sudan, by freelance multimedia journalist Garanga Abraham Malak and from Beijing by Zhang Yongpeng from the Institute of West Asian African Studies of the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences and also senior fellow with the think tank Taiha Institute. Gentlemen, welcome to The Point. Mr. Garang Abraham Malak, let me go to you first and thank you very much for joining us from Juba at this very early hour. How serious and widespread, according to your understanding, is the conflict at this stage? Thank you very much uh, for having me. Uh, like you've mentioned, my name is Garang Abraham Malak. Um, I'm a freelance journalist, and I've been covering South Sudan and Sudan uh, for quite some time uh, when I was uh, writing for uh, a regional paper called uh, Nation uh, Media. Um, the positive news is um, Baran and Himiti have agreed uh, to 72-hour ceasefire, uh, which is something very positive after fighting for the last uh, three days. Uh, a fight that has uh, led to uh, death of over 100 people and over 1,800 wounded, which is which was really a very bad news. So uh, what is positive coming out from Sudan currently is the argument for a 72-hour ceasefire by the two uh, armed generals. Yeah. Well, um, actually, the latest news overnight from the United Nations citing Sudanese authorities is that uh, almost uh, over 180 people have been killed and over 2,600 have been wounded. But Mr. Zhang, uh, help us understand how big is the Chinese presence in Sudan and how badly are, have they been affected by the violence so far? You know, I think... Uh, uh uh, China should uh, actively uh, join in the uh, peaceful mediation uh, between the two factions and try to uh, uh, to give alarm to the Chinese enterprises in, in Sudan to protect themselves uh, and their life and uh, their uh, uh, their wealthies. And uh, the most, most uh, the important up to now, I think, is the uh, mediation uh, by the African Union and uh, some uh, pre uh, prestigious, uh, prestigious uh, uh, African leaders, uh, for example, the president of uh, uh, South Sudan and Djibouti and uh, Kenya has been invited into the mediation. 
And uh, I think it is most uh, possible if, uh, with the joining of these uh, African leaders and the African problems or issues, uh, uh, with the African solution uh, uh, will uh, function finally. I think it's a possible. And otherwise, uh, uh, the, the results of uh, civil war uh, could not be avoided, most probably. Mm. Um Mr. Garan Ibrahim Malak, the fighting is between the Sudanese Armed Forces and the RSF under the leadership of General Dagalo, otherwise known as uh, Hemeti. The group, as we know, grew out of a paramilitary group called the Janjaweed. So what are his, what are their aspirations and what are the disagreements between the two generals which have led to this uh, armed conflict? I think uh, the major disagreement uh, that has led to this is the unification of uh, the forces. Um, in a workshop uh, last week uh, organized by EGAD and African Union, um, 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 as per the agreement, um, I mean, uh, the rapid forces plus the Sudanese army are supposed to be unified into one professional army. And I think this is where uh, the biggest problem came in. Um, 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 professional sources from the Sudanese profession of association um, have mentioned that uh, Himiti, who is the head of uh, rapid forces, agreed for his forces to be put under one professional army. But Boran, who, who heads the armed forces of Sudanese due to Muslim Brotherhood issues, wasn't agreeing to that. And I think that's where the biggest issue came in here, the unification of forces into one professional army. Hmm. But historically, Mr. Zhang, what are the longer term underlying reasons for this disagreement? Um, some people have actually been warning that the eruption of violence was just a matter of time. Do you agree as well? You know, I, I, I think uh, historically uh, in quite a long time, uh, there have been uh, several of the uh, serious con uh, conflicts, including the military coups, and uh, several of the agreements have been reached uh, 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 frequently. Uh, but uh, finally, uh, the, these, uh, all of these uh, agreements seldom uh, been uh, realized uh, finally. Uh, but uh, this time, I, I think it, it could be uh, possible to be uh, reached uh, if uh, with the uh, with the strong so Mr. Zhang, the yeah, Mr. Zhang, you mentioned two things here. First of all, past agreements were seldom implemented, but this time you think there is a real possibility. What makes you say these? Yeah, because uh, uh, the uh, controversies between the two generals is not something uh, very uh, fundamental uh, because it is only an issue of power sharing and uh, not the issue of, uh, uh, of uh, religious, of uh, ethnic groups. And so uh, if they can uh, sit down and uh, join in the negotiation and uh, reach some uh, uh, agreement on the uh, power sharing, and especially uh, under the interference of the international community, and especially the African Union and African leaders, and I think finally uh, they will uh, find a solution. And uh, furthermore, uh, I think uh, if the, uh, because now uh, there, uh, the, the, the two, two generals' power and uh, uh, the military forces are just uh, parallel. 
and uh, they cannot say that who will uh, beat uh, who will beat who mm. uh, finally. And so, uh, who will be the uh, final winner? It is difficult to say. Mm -hmm. So finally, I think they will uh, they will uh, given to. Uh, some share some powers to e right. each other and find a solution. Okay. Mr. Malak, what is your answer? Because last year, uh, the various parties signed a framework deal vowing to install a civilian government and remove the military from power, and the deadline was April the 11th, but they failed. So what went wrong with these past deals? And do you think, do you agree with Mr. Zhang that right now there is some possibility for a real agreement that will work? Um, I would basically say politicians are politicians. Um, 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 they, they, you know, um, most of African politicians are quick to sign agreements, but it becomes a problem later when, it, when you know when it goes to implementation. So I would basically say yes. Um, I th there could be hope that uh, once they go to table um, um, and, and and there is proper structural power sharing they might implement that. But for Sudanese uh, uh, peace deal, I think what is a priority here is ensuring that um, uh, when the civilian lead government takes over. Because if, 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 you, if you implement power sharing, uh, having the two generals together, having who under who and who under who will bring a problem. So if, if, if this agreement can really stipulate for the civilian government, I mean, uh, uh, prime minister to lead, and then the two generals work together with these, I think it would really be appropriate. But if the agreement continues to have, uh, I mean, an armed general uh, ruling Sudan for quite some time, I think there will continue to be disagreement between Imiti and Boran. That's my take. Yeah, so Mr. Malik, uh, Malak, do you think that this time there will be a real possibility of some kind of uh, uh, implementation, some kind of a change, positive change in the situation? In the near term, do you think the fighting um, will um, produce um, a winner and the situation will stabilize, basically? That is the question. Not at all. You see, um, I mean, war has no, has, has no winner because at the end of the day, civilians are the one affected. Uh, I mean, the armed general will continue to torment, uh, I mean, themselves. But who are the losers? The losers are the civilians. So there is no winner, you know, when it comes to these. Um, um, what is vital is EGOT and the African Union should really tighten uh, discussion uh, between these two generals. And, 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 and what should continue is the framework agreement that really stipulates for a lot of mm. effective measures to be put in place okay. for a civilian-led government, for, uh, for, uh, for unification of the army to one professional army, you know, for demilitarization and demobilization, I think this is a way forward. But this can be achieved through a comprehensive uh, dialogue that EGAT and African Union should tighten on and really let Sudan government, or I mean, Sudan leaders know that Sudan is Sudan and they are displacing their people, not another people. And they need to be held to account for what they do. But Mr. Chang, yeah, Mr. Chang, you just now really expressed the hope that with the intervening of regional leaders and regional organizations, there is a chance that peace can be brokered, that there will be some kind of a arrangement acceptable to different parties. Uh, what exactly gives you that confidence, that level of, of, uh, of hope? Yeah, I think uh, it is... Uh uh, it is a hopeful still uh, because uh, East African uh, organization, EGOT, for example, uh, could act uh, play an active role 
in the in this uh, mediation. But did, and, did uh, these regional players not play a role in the past in the agreements that were signed in the past? Yeah, they uh, they do they did something really, but uh, this time, as I uh, just uh, mentioned just now mentioned, that is uh, this time it is only some disputes from the. Uh, on the uh, power sharing, it's not some major problem, uh, but small and uh, at least we, we could say this is a problem on, only on surface, not, some, uh, not with some uh, deep root. Mm. And so I think uh, through the mediation and the efforts made by the uh, regional uh, organizations, the problem will be finally uh, dissolved. So you don't think that the conflict will pr prolong considerably, Mr. Dr. Yes, I, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Mr. Malak, your take quickly. Um, 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 yes, I think uh, uh, what is vital quickly is to bring the two armies in gen I mean, on table. And if that is not done immediately, the, fight, I mean, the fighting will prolong and it will continue to affect a lot of people across Sudan. Okay. Um, a quick word on the Chinese investments in Sudan, Mr. Zhang. How much um, should they be concerned about the safety of their personnel and projects? Yeah, I think uh, up to now China has uh, invested quite a lot in the various kinds of the projects in Sudan. And in the future, uh, I think it will going on, keep going on. All right. Okay, we have to leave it there. Many thanks to Mr. Zhang Yongpeng joining us from Beijing and uh, Garang Ibrahim Malak joining us from Juba, South Sudan. We'll take a short break and when we come back, has China been able to walk and chew gum at the same time on its way to modernity? A Swiss sinologist says yes. Why? Stay with me. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. General Railway Company Deutsche Bahn, the 26th United Nations Climate. Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. When it comes to modernization, China can do two things at the same time. This is according to Swiss scholar Beat Schneider, Professor Emeritus at the University of Arts in Bern, Switzerland. Dr. Schneider has been studying China for decades, and in his new book about China, he suggests that Westerners should think outside the box of Western centrism if they want to understand the country. So what exactly does he mean by China doing two things at the same time? What is the role of the ruling Communist Party of China in the country's modernization process? And how to understand the concept of a Chinese path to modernization that was raised for the first time this March? I tried to find answers with Dr. Schneider, who joined me from Bern, Switzerland. Moi, je pense, moi, je pense que le grand mérite I believe the great achievement of the Communist Party of China, or CPC, is first and foremost anti-colonial liberation. Secondly, China has achieved exceptional development gains of historic significance by lifting the country out of poverty and even enjoying a certain level of affluence. I think only the CPC could have accomplished this. 
If not for the CPC, perhaps there would have been a division among different parties in China, but it would have led to a dead end. I think eradicating poverty is indeed a great exceptional accomplishment of historical proportions. Why do you think the Communist Party of China is able to achieve what you just said, you know, the liberation of China, the development? What about the Communist Party of China that enables it to play such a huge role? You can answer in French. Parce que, parce que le Parti communiste est très proche du, du, du peuple. Because the CPC is very close to the people. During the war, during anti-colonial liberation, it was very close to the people, and it still is now. We call it the CPC's mass line, whereby the party and the people have a close-knit relationship. The CPC always listens to people's concerns, responds to their needs by taking action, and communicates in a way that is easily understandable. I believe that compared to Western capitalist parties or even social democratic parties, the CPC is much closer to the people. This is exceptional. Some people would say, look, you say that the Communist Party of China is very close to the people and it stays close to the people. But, uh, for instance, the, the government of China or the leader of China is not voted out by popular vote. How do you, how, how can these two be combined? How can China achieve the objective of being close to the people, right? Serve their needs, feel their pulses, and still, um, without adopting the one person, one vote model of the West? Yes. I think the vote, in the sense of occidental I think the Western voting system is superficial. Elections are held only once every four years. It lacks depth, whatever the result is. Whereas the Chinese system, which I am familiar with, has democratic institutions and people's congresses at different levels. So not only is the party close to the people, but it also blends with the population. It is an advantage compared to elections every four years, as we have in Western countries. I told a friend of mine at a conference that I even think there's more democracy in China than in Western countries. Je pense même que qu'en Chine, il y a plus de démocratie Wow, that is, you know, that is really, um, a lot of people would say that's astonishing that you would say in China there's more democracy than in a Western country. Um, 
Would you want to say a little bit more about that? Because, you know, this is toppling for a lot of people in the West, in, in the West, thinking, how come, how come, you know, when they talk about China is autocratic, it's undemocratic, and yet you think that there is more democracy in China than in many Western countries. Voyez, si quelqu'un me demande cette question dans la rue, if someone asked me this question on the street, I would say, look, the U.S. government, for example, does not represent the people. It is instead an oligarchy that is remote from the people. Similarly, the Macron government in France does not represent the people at all, as it's controlled by a minority and doesn't represent the interests of the majority. Euh, la majorité du peuple. Aussi en Allemagne, il y a toujours il y a des, des, des sondages. In Germany, opinion polls often show that the majority of people support peace. Yet the government supports Ukraine by providing weapons against Russia. Soutien avec des armes euh, l'Ukraine contre euh, la Russie. Alors, je pense euh, si on dit au peuple regardez I think that if you tell the people, your government here in the West is not really a government for the people, by the people, they will agree and say it's true. I'm not happy with my government because it didn't help me during the pandemic, etc. And I say that if you agree with that, you really have to be clear-eyed about what's happening in China. Voir avec des yeux objectifs ce qui se passe en Chine. Mm -hmm. China has vowed to follow a uh, unique Chinese path to modernization. Uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping said in the 20th National Congress report last October that uh, we have put forward the Chinese dream of the great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation and proposed promoting national rejuvenation through a Chinese path to modernization. So how do you understand, Professor Schneider, how do you understand this notion and what are the implications for the world, the Chinese path to modernization? C'est vraiment la, 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 cette notion de modernisation que je... It is the very notion of modernization that I look into in my book. I explain that China can always do two things at the same time, while Westerners can only focus on one thing. The Chinese have adopted Western modernization and capitalism. But they have not been westernized. They have not changed everything in favor of capitalism and have remained true to themselves. Alors, ils sont restés eux-mêmes. Comment? Parce qu'ils ont une grande tradition, une grande culture. How? Because of its great traditions and great culture, dating back 5,000 years from which China can benefit because it can make up a hybrid model. Mm -hmm. 
hybrid because it benefits from the capabilities of the West. But it also follows its own path. This mixture of its own culture with a made-in-the-West modernization provides vitality. And this vitality is a characteristic of China, which is strong thanks to this combination of culture and economy. So I think it is really a great strength. What are the implications for the world? What would it mean for people in Switzerland, in the United States, in Germany, in Africa, in Latin America? Je pense que les gens du, 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 du Sud, alors de, des pays sous-développés, ils ont assez, ils ont marre de... I think that people in the South, in developing countries, are tired of U.S. and European imperialism and colonialism, and they see an alternative path to development in which the state plays a large role. And the economy can develop, but not in the way it does in the West, and the people can benefit from it. I think Africa, Latin America, and Asian countries look to China because there is a new path of development that offers a guarantee. The guarantee is that China has developed like no other country. It has become a great power. La garantie, la garantie, c'est que on peut observer que la Chine s'est développée comme pas d'autres pays. Elle est, elle a un succès. I think the Chinese dream is really something different from the American dream, because the American dream was the dream of a few individuals. In contrast, the Chinese dream is the dream of the entire people. Le rêve américain, c'était le rêve de quelques individus. Tandis que le rêve chinois, c'est le rêve de tout le peuple. Et aussi, c'est pour cela que c'est très... That is why it is very attractive to African countries and countries in the global south. That's really something else. My conversation with uh, Swiss scholar Bert Schneider, Professor Emeritus at the University of Arts in Bern, Switzerland. And with that, we come to the end of this edition of The Point with me, Lu Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Lu Xin in Beijing. You've got the point. <laughs>